Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you had fabulous Thanksgivings. Uh, we have got a lot to discuss uh, as we break down everything that happened in the world of college football. Reminder, I do the NFL on Tuesday, uh, so we'll have NFL reactions on Tuesday, although we have Frank Reich uh, already fired as the Carolina Panthers coach after the Panthers lost to the Titans in uh, the bowl, uh, the sadness bowl, as I called it. Um, that is where uh, we are now sitting uh, with an NFL coach being fired, what is it, 11 games into the season, which is one of the earliest firings we have ever seen. Only five coaches in NFL history have been fired before the first season is complete. That is three straight years now where it has happened. Urban Meyer, Nathaniel Hackett, and now Frank Reich, uh, three straight years where a coach has been fired in the NFL before the actual first season of their tenure is complete. Now, let's start, though, with uh, the college football landscape. And I'm going to get to Michigan and Ohio State in a minute and what we learned. The Iron Bowl, what is CBS thinking? Okay, let's just put it out there, all right? CBS Sports had the greatest television package in college sports history in that they had the number one draft pick of every SEC game every week. And they've had that for basically like 30 years uh, in essence nearly. And this is an important story and I've told it for several years now, but I think it really kind of gets crystallized as we talk about this Iron Bowl, another iconic game and ending. All CBS had to do was when the SEC expanded and added Texas A&M and Missouri, all they had to do, they were paying around $50 million a year, all they had to do was bump their payment up a little bit. At a minimum, pay the same amount that they were already paying per school and add it for 14 schools now instead of 12 and they could have extended their relationship. You guys know I've been no uh, great fan of a lot of decisions that Disney slash ESPN has made. Yet when the SEC expanded and added Missouri and Texas A&M, ESPN said, here is our checkbook, SEC. We want to be in business with you for as long as we can. And that was the impetus behind the launching of the SEC network, which led to a 20-year extension of the ESPN and SEC relationship. It may have even been extended beyond this now, but it went all the way to 2034. And they made that calculated decision, hey, we are going to expand our relationship. We understand what you're doing, SEC. We want to be in business with you. And so they climbed into bed aggressively, the SEC, 
uh, and the ESPN. CBS could have extended for 20 more years, maybe 30 more years. They could have extended far into the future. All they had to do was recognize what incredible value they had. Instead, they are were imbeciles, and they're now paying, I think it's like $150 million for crap Big Ten games. They went from best game in college football many weeks, the SEC premier pick, to leaving the SEC and getting like third-round draft picks from the Big Ten. It's not talked about. It's not written about enough. I don't know if people have too many friends and they're afraid of negativity being out there. This is what CBS did, the single dumbest decision in the history of my life in sports media. CBS tripping all over themselves and ending their relationship with the SEC is so dumb that every single person who was responsible for that decision should be fired on the spot. If I ran CBS, I would be like, everybody who screwed up the SEC game of the week and chose not to extend it at what would have been a substantial discount to what they ended up paying for a far worse package from the Big Ten, all of them should be fired. They are too dumb to be able to work at my company. That's what I would say. But I'm bringing it up now because they only have one more game left. And this was the final regular season game of the SEC on CBS. And what an incredible game it was. Now, think about just what happened in the final couple of minutes. Auburn fumbles a uh, Auburn fumbles a punt that gives Alabama incredible position. Alabama then goes backwards twice. Jalen Milrow has a third down and 20 and is allowed to scramble for 19 and a half yards. Alabama gets the fourth down conversion. Then, from a first and goal situation, they get an awful snap. They fall all the way back eventually to fourth and goal from the 31. Okay? And this is what everybody is focused on. First of all, congratulations to Hugh Freeze and Auburn. They could barely throw the football this year, and yet they were running the ball on Alabama all day, all game long. They have a four-point lead. If they just field a punt, they probably would have won this game. Alabama would have had to use all their timeouts. I'm not sure Alabama would have stopped Auburn from running the ball or getting a first down. One first down after they fielded the punt, the game's over. Even with the the fumble punt, even with the allowing Jalen Milrow to scramble 19 and a half yards on a third and 20 and be able to convert a fourth down, even with all that going on. It's fourth and goal from the 31. Auburn takes a timeout. Now, let me just kind of break this down for you. However the game ends is going to be, I think, as you actually break it down, if Auburn loses that game, whatever they do is going to be ridiculed, right? If Auburn blitzes Jalen Milrow with six players and drops five into coverage and plays single-man coverage on everybody, then Alabama hits a touchdown pass. Everybody's going to say, why didn't they just drop everybody uh, and play shell prevent defense? Alabama had to get 31 yards, right? You know that's going to be a conversation. 
What Auburn did instead, though, is I, what they rushed two. Milrow had forever in the pocket. And they spied Milrow. Now, the only thing I would say about the defense that made no sense was, why do you have a spy on the field? On fourth down and 31, if Jalen Milrow wants to leave the pocket and try to run 31 yards for the touchdown, and he does it, you have must have missed like eight tackles and Jalen Milrow is the greatest player of all time, right? You should want Jalen Milrow to leave the pocket and run the football on fourth and 31. Remember on the preceding play, Milrow ran across the line of scrimmage and then threw the ball. So if you're Alabama, if you're Auburn, you should want Jalen Milrow running the football. So I don't know, maybe somebody made a wrong choice. I don't know why you have a spy in that scenario. To me, the spy was worthless. You either only rush two and drop nine, or you rush, you know, four or five and drop seven, whatever you decide to do. What I, and I, you probably don't practice this kind of defense a lot. What should never happen is man-to-man scenario where you have someone not watching the quarterback. The reason why that pass was completed, correct? credit to Alabama, it's great throw from Milrow, Gravedigger I think is the name of the play. The reason why that pass was completed is because you had guys not paying attention to the quarterback. What I think should happen in that scenario is if you're going to drop, you know, eight, first of all, you rush three, you don't have any spy, and you drop eight and everybody's in zone. And all they do is watch the quarterback, right? And so you have eight guys that are all in the end zone and you just react and watch the quarterback. Because given how far Jalen Milrow had to throw the ball, the ball's going to be in the air for a couple of seconds. As fast as your defensive backs and skill position players should be, there should be almost no possibility of anybody being able to make an uncontested catch. Now, if Milrow wants to throw it up in the air and there's three or four Alabama players in the vicinity and the same number of Auburn players roughly, and the ball gets batted around and gets caught, that's fine. You should never get beat like happened on that play where Milrow, to his credit, sees and recognizes his receiver and makes a great throw to him. But if you watch that play, the Auburn defensive back both lost idea of where the Alabama receiver was and had no idea that Jalen Milrow had thrown the football. If he had merely been watching, watching Jalen Milrow just playing an area of the end zone, right? If you said to all eight Auburn defenders that were back, hey, each of you has, what's a football field? 53 yards wide, I think, if I'm not mistaken. If each of you has, you know, five yards to cover in either direction, uh, you know, you're midway in the end zone, it should be virtually impossible for a ball to be thrown that an Auburn defender couldn't break on and make a play, right? Because remember, most the, the most you can have in the end zone is what? Five players? Uh, so you're going to have a numerical advantage. You're going to have eight defenders. Now you could uh, have dropped nine. And then you basically could double almost every player, right? 
and flood the entire end zone, you could have 14 players in the end zone, nine of whom would be yours. Alabama makes the play, however. Uh, I imagine that Auburn had not uh, practiced it a lot, but they did take a timeout. They did get the exact defense that they wanted. Um, and to me, that is just a sign that, uh, that Jalen Milrow made a play partly because Auburn was not set up in the most advantageous way. But again, I don't really question the decision-making because, again, if you blitz five and you drop six or you blitz six and you drop five and play man-to-man and somebody is open, then inevitably you get crushed. Now, I do think from the 31, the odds of completing that pass are so infinitesimally small. I think if Alabama ran that play 25 times, they might get a touchdown one time. It would actually be interesting to see over and over again. I tend to think that throws into the end zone are underrated and underutilized. The other thing is, tackle him, right? Auburn worst case scenario on 4th and 31, if you tackle given it's a goal-to-go situation, you just get one untimed down right? Because you still have to score a touchdown. You can't get a first down. Anyway, this is uh, uh, all crazy, all ridiculous. Um, and uh, and I, just, I, I, I just look at all this and think, my goodness, Auburn had to have a lot go wrong in order uh, to end up losing that game. But I will say, if you're an Auburn Tiger fan, coming off a 21-point loss to New Mexico State, I'm not sure how much better Alabama could have been contested by Auburn in that scenario than what they did. By the way, I'm going to talk about Michigan-Ohio State in a minute, but first I want to say Merry Ballsmas from our friends over at Manscaped. The holidays are approaching, but what if I told you the celebrations are starting early this year? Turns out the perfect gift does exist. Who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders and below-the-waist grooming Keep calm and let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the all-new Lawnmower 5.0, watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice when you're going naughty by going to manscaped.com. Use code OUTKICK for 20% off and free shipping. Unwrap the gift of smoothness this season with Manscaped. 20% off free shipping with the code OUTKICK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code OUTKEEP, OUTKICK, MANSCAPED. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Um, And uh, certainly, I appreciate all of you for uh, breaking all of that down. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, so, uh, as we are breaking down and continuing to, uh, to, to break down all of this, Michigan gets the win over Ohio State. 30-24, um, 
late interception, Ohio State people are all fired up at me because they're saying, you said we have no chance to make the playoff. All right, let me just say this right off the top. In the wake of their loss, Ohio State has a tiny fraction of a chance of making the playoff. The only way that Ohio State could make the playoff, let me get this out there, is if Louisville beats Florida State, Oklahoma State beats Texas, uh, Washington beats Oregon, and uh, Alabama loses to Georgia, right? All four of those things have to happen in order for Ohio State to be able to make the playoff. And probably Michigan needs to beat Ohio State, but they're a big favorite in that game, 22-point favorite or whatever. In the event that all of that happened, Ohio State has a chance to be selected as the fourth team. I ran the numbers on uh, on uh, the gambling uh, app. It is 61-1 to 1 that that would end up happening. That is around a 1.6% chance that Ohio State could still make the playoff. So all you Buckeye fans out there saying, Clay, you said there's no chance. Okay, there is a 1% chance, Ohio State, that you could end up being in the playoff. There's a 99% chance that you want. So we put that off to the side. There's your answer for Buckeye fans who are like, we have a great chance. Okay, you have a 1% chance of making the playoffs at best, maybe lower than 1%, maybe 0.6% more, whatever. Virtually zero, all right? What's going to happen going forward? Could be super simple. Um, Michigan got the win. They were the better team against Ohio State. They ran for more yardage. Typically in this series, the team that is more physical on the line of scrimmage wins. Michigan never trailed. They led throughout. It was a ruckus atmosphere in the big house. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the sign-stealing controversy is now almost over because now Jim Harbaugh is going to come back He's going to win a third straight Big Ten title against Iowa. And Michigan's either going to be the one or the two seed in the college football playoff, depending on what Georgia does. So credit to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Two and six in the COVID year. I thought Jim Harbaugh was done. Then they go out and win three straight games against Ohio State. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who is an incredible player, maybe the most skilled single player in all of college football this year, is going to end his Ohio State tenure 0-3 against Michigan. That almost never happens for an elite-level player, uh, certainly not in the modern era. Um, And so that is super challenging. I didn't think Jim Harbaugh was going to get things turned around. He has. He's going to make the playoff for a third straight year. He's going to win the Big Ten title for a third straight year. So what happens in the playoff overall? It could be really simple, right? Michigan, Georgia, Washington, and Florida State could all win. And if that happens, I think all four of the undefeated teams would get in. And Texas would be on the outside looking in. If, however, one of those teams loses, Texas is in incredibly good shape. Um... There are scenarios where even Alabama could be left out. People say, okay, how would Alabama get left out, Clay? Washington wins, Florida State wins, uh, Michigan wins, and then Texas wins, and your four or five division, I think, would come down to what happens between Texas and Alabama. 
I don't think it's likely, even though I think Florida State is the weakest of the undefeated teams right now, if Florida State goes 13-0 and and beats Louisville, I think it will be hard not to take Florida State. Now, I also understand the argument that Florida State is not one of the best four teams. But remember, the college football playoff always comes down to a balancing act between best and most deserving. A 13-0 Power 5 conference team is certainly deserving, even though they may not be the best. Now, the loophole there is with Jordan Travis injured, can they manage to keep Florida State out? Maybe. And that would lead to the really difficult scenario that I just laid out if Alabama were to upset Georgia. Then it puts into some interesting dynamics. Personally, I don't understand how Georgia who I think is the unquestioned best college football team so far, not just this year, but also the past two years. Georgia has won 29 games in a row, 39 regular season games in a row. And if they lose a neutral matchup to Alabama, suddenly they're not going to be in the college football playoff. I think there are a lot of you out there who agree with me saying that seems crazy, but that's basically where we are. It means that Alabama against uh, uh, Georgia is basically a college football playoff game. Now, here's the other thing. I wish we could do away with conference title games and instead end up with a 16-team playoff. And if you have co-champs, that's fine. Sometimes we don't necessarily need another game. Georgia and Alabama both went 8-0 in the SEC. Make them co-champs, that's fine. Washington already beat Oregon. Why should they have to beat them again? Texas already beat Oklahoma State. Why should they have to beat them again? Clearly, Florida State was the best team in the ACC this year. Why do we need a conference championship game there? And what sense does it make at all for Iowa, who is at best the fourth team in the Big Ten, best team behind Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, What sense does that make at all to put Michigan in a game against Iowa when Iowa has no business even being able to play for the championship? The Big Ten West, it shouldn't even exist. It's so much more of a weaker division than the Big Ten East. So I would be fine with no at all, not one conference title game going to 16. I also think, as bullish as I am on college football's future, You know, 40 million people watched the Cowboys against the Commanders. Only like 10 or 15 million, I haven't even seen the final number, are going to watch the the best game of the college football regular season. Who are all these huge football fans that aren't watching? I think the playoff will help to increase that. But also, it's going to create some scenarios. Imagine, for instance, that the 12-team college football playoff still existed you would have Michigan and Ohio State playing and then Michigan and Ohio State would be playing again the next week. So what do they do? Rest all their starters? There's absolutely nothing to be gained from the regular season game. I think you're going to end up sometimes in scenarios where you have immediate rematches and nobody gains anything by actually playing the games. Just worth uh, thinking about. College football playoff picture. I think the Pac-12 champ is in whether it's Oregon or Washington. Michigan basically in, although there are some scenarios where if Michigan lost, potentially 
you could end up with no Big Ten team in. I think the Georgia-Alabama game is winner gets in. Um, And I think Texas is very likely to get in, although there are some moving parts that could alter that. Again, uh, I'd encourage you to go read the starting 11 to get through uh, all of the details there. A couple of other things that are in play. Texas A&M hires Duke coach Mike Elko, formerly defensive coordinator, to come down to College Station after what was reported to be basically a fan uh, revolt against the hiring of Mark Stoops. I think Elko is a better hire. But I also think this. um, This is my argument that I made for why firing uh, Jimbo Fisher doesn't necessarily guarantee a better situation. Jimbo Fisher, $76 million paid now not to coach. Are you confident that Mike Elko is going to be way better than Jimbo Fisher was? Now, a and a pretty talented team, assuming they keep their, uh, their uh, class together, recruiting class together, and manage to continue uh, to, uh, to maintain a lot of the talent on that team. They're going to be, uh, I think, very talented for Elko. The challenge is, are they going to be better than Alabama? I don't think so. Are they going to be better than LSU? I don't think so. Are they going to be better than Auburn, what Hugh Freeze is building there? I don't think so. Are they going to be better than Ole Miss, where they weren't this year? A&M, you can argue, is going to be better than Mississippi State and Arkansas, and that's about it, just in the West. And remember, we're doing away with divisions. Is A&M going to be better than Georgia? No. Are they going to be better than Tennessee? Well, they weren't this year. I, I think a and still right around 6th or 7th best in the SEC next year. And the question is, who's going to build them to a higher level than where they are right now? But I do think the revolt against Mark Stoops, I don't think you can fire Jimbo Fisher and go hire Mark Stoops and think you got substantially better there, particularly because Mark Stoops has never really recruited at a high level. And in fact, he called out his fan base for not paying enough money so that they could have better players. Now, there's also the report that Stoops didn't get more money and he didn't get any contract extension. Uh, so he wanted out of Lexington. Instead, A&M decided, you know what? Our fan base is not going to support you. I think that is uh, that is pretty intriguing. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, Clemson gets the win. South Carolina finishes 5-7. and seven. Clemson finishes, I think, 8-4. and four. Did I get that right? Um, Donald Trump's in attendance. Crowd went wild for Donald Trump. Chanting USA, overwhelmingly cheering. William Bryce Stadium, around 80,000 fans there. And I asked this question on Twitter. Would Joe Biden get cheered anywhere in college football? Maybe Stanford? Maybe if he went to uh, to Cal Berkeley, I'm not even sure he would get cheered there. Trump wildly cheered at Madison Square Garden. I think if you look at, I know there are a couple of viral clips, people say, oh, he was getting booed. Yeah, by like five people that were standing around. I mean, there's 80,000 people in the stadium. Uh, it's in South Carolina. Numbers would suggest that a... I would say majority of that stadium probably supports Trump. Now, maybe there's also DeSantis supporters. Maybe there's also Nikki Haley supporters. But my point on this is just Joe Biden wouldn't get cheered, I don't think, hardly anywhere in college football. Would he in Minnesota? Eh. Would he at Wisconsin? Eh. 
I think Joe Biden would get booed most places in college football. There's not actually Joe Biden supporters. In 2020, there were just people who didn't like Trump. Um, wanted to mention this. COVID shot rate. I know everybody's always angry at me. Oh, Media Matters fired up. Oh, Clay Travis, how dare you talk about uh, uh, the COVID shot and say it's worthless, which it is. Overwhelming majorities of the American public. It took a couple of years, but they now agree with me. Wall Street Journal had a graphic in today's newspaper. Only 4% of children aged 6 months to 18 years old are getting the COVID shot according to updated data. 4%. Means 96% of parents so far have chosen not to get their kids the COVID shot. It's pretty extraordinary. 18 and up, only 10% of people are getting the new COVID shot. Overwhelmingly huge majorities of Americans have looked at the data and made the right choice here. They recognize that there was a fraud perpetrated upon them based on what they said the Moderna and the Pfizer shots for COVID would do and what the reality actually was. And it took several years for it to happen, but people are overwhelmingly saying, probably going to get COVID anyway. These shots are worthless. Think about that. 96% not getting it for their kids. 24 out of every 25 parents. Think about it. 18 and up, 90% not getting it. Now, maybe we'll see a little bit of an uptick post-Thanksgiving, but it's never going to get more than, I don't think, like 15% of the overall population getting this thing, it's hard to get 85% of people to agree on anything. 85 or 90% of people, including well over 90% of parents, now recognize the COVID shot is worthless. And if we had not provided incompetent billions of dollars in taxpayer payments for the Moderna and the COVID shots, I truly believe Moderna and COVID would both be bankrupted for fraud based on the false bill of goods they sold about what these shots would do versus what the actual reality was. And think about the billions of dollars, much of it actually our taxpayer money, that has gone to advertising these worthless shots, the American public overwhelmingly saying, no, we are not going to get this. Um, also wanted to mention, I shared a graphic from Bucky's. I love Bucky's. Uh, I made a long drive. I was down the Florida Gulf Coast, spent like eight or nine hours in the car driving back with my three kids yesterday. We stopped at a Bucky's in North Alabama. Couple of things they're advertising jobs. You can make $40,000 a year in North Alabama working as a bathroom cleaner at Bucky's. Think about how crazy that is. You can make $125,000 a year managing the car wash at the Bucky's. And if you are the general manager of a Bucky's store, you can make a quarter million dollars or more. These are massive salaries in often rural parts of the country. It's not like there's a $19 or $20 minimum wage in Alabama. I love everything about what Bucky's is doing. They are running such a successful business 
that they are able to reward their employees with wages far in excess of what minimum wages are required. And they aren't doing it with the hard hand of government coming down upon them. They're doing it thanks to capitalism, thanks to business, thanks to the larger marketplace. They know the value of good employees. They know the value of running a highly successful business. I love everything about this. We'll put up the uh, graphic that I took a picture of last night outside of Bucky's. Now, it wasn't a flawless trip. I forgot my credit card there. Um, so, uh, so everything did not go flawless, and we stopped in there and, uh, and grabbed food. But the whole Travis family was excited to stop there. We planned it several hours in advance. We all ate our dinners uh, in the car after stopping there. If they ever have a private equity offering or a public stock offering, I will put whatever I have available at that point in time into Bucky's. I absolutely love this brand. I got to meet the owner at the Alabama-Texas A&M game. Seems like a very good guy. Uh, and if you haven't already checked out this place, spotless bathrooms, flawless, uh, flawless food drink service. It is an incredible brand. It is fabulous. You'll like it probably as much as myself and my family do. All right. Uh, love all of you. Uh, I am headed out to WWE Raw tonight in Nashville with the Travis boys. Should be a lot of fun. Cannot wait uh, for that this evening. I'll be back Tuesday, Wednesday, normal shows. I'm headed up to New York City this weekend to help raise money for Tunnel to Towers uh, for Frank Siller's organization at their gala event in New York City. Uh, so I'll be up there for, uh, for that event to help raise money. Appreciate all of you. Hope you had fabulous Thanksgivings. I'm thankful for all of you listening to us on Clay and Buck, reading OutKick, watching this show. We had a decent gambling week, by the way. Both blood banks hit. Appreciate all of you. Hope you made some money over Thanksgiving and you're ready to come back and have a phenomenal week. This has been OutKick, the show. Okay, guys. Good stuff.